welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about fall tillage. So just to kick things off here with that, I, I would say if you've got questions about this, there's anything you're unsure of, obviously we want you trying some things out in your farm. Everybody's farm's a little bit different. So you may have light soil, may have heavy soil, lots of residue, little residue. You might have lots of organic matter. We've had some guys occasionally they will have so much organic matter in spots, like 15% organic matter where I go, you know what? I think you should do moldboard plowing. <laughs> some people go, what? I never moldboard plow. Well, yeah, but you might not have 15% organic matter soil either. So here's the thing. Tillage tools are just that. They're tools. And we have to use them appropriately. When we do, they can be great. We're not saying here with our show that everybody has to till or that no one should till. Every farmer gets to make their own choice, and each farm is a little bit different. But anyway, if you've got any questions for us about this topic throughout the day, just give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on X, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. So in terms of our farm, I'll just kind of let you know w- how things have gone over the years. We have probably, I don't know what it is, 10%, 20% of our acres are what they would con- what they would consider highly erodible land. And so everything used to in the old days, call it 50 years ago, be moldboard plowed, dist, field cultivated, maybe even a couple times. I mean, there was a fair amount of tillage done, but when you go back to why did they need to do the tillage? Well, they had to, in a lot of cases, to make a better seed bed, to kill insects, diseases, even weeds. You tried to bury stuff. That was one of their only ways they had to get things better in their fields. So I get it. Thanks to modern pesticides and also thanks to modern equipment technology, we're now able to go into fields that have lots of residue and we can place the seed well. We can also control any insects, diseases, weeds that show up. I mean, things have really changed. And so a lot of people want to go back to how things were in the old days. Well, you can do that. But let's keep in mind, we were destroying a lot of our soil's organic matter, and we were creating a lot of erosion issues. So I'm not saying people shouldn't do tillage, because if we manage these things right, everything's going to be fine. But when you have to till, and you have to till a million times, um, (laughs) that, that, that doesn't leave you with a whole lot of options for how do I make my organic matter levels higher and how do I slow down my soil erosion? So our grandpa had put in some, uh, uh, well, let's put it this way. Even on some ground that we don't think has a lot of slope and technically isn't even called highly erodible land, he put in some terraces. <laughs> and so they were always a little bit of a thorn in our side because they were too small for our big equipment. So way back then, if you're running two-row stuff or four-row stuff, oh, piece of cake. Well, now when you start running 24-row equipment or like our sprayers, 120 feet, it, it just it doesn't match up real well. So we've had to change a number of things over the years too, but I totally get it. Because like for him, you think about it, how else was he going to slow down the soil erosion other than putting some terraces in? 
thankfully now we don't have to do tillage eight times a year and we have other methods to control things and even if we are doing things out in that field I think about strip till and I think about coulters so we can get fertilizer down in the ground I think about even with our planter and we can move residue off or out of the row it's it's amazing what we're able to do and sometimes we we kind of forget because as farmers we're just we're kind of living in the moment and we're trying to make sure this crop's good we're always busy but when you stop back and think about it, this is only two generations ago, and it was a completely different farming environment. Just two generations ago. That's not that long, really. So anyway, I'm very, very appreciative that we have all the technology that we do today, and for that matter, the know-how, the training. I mean, it's, it's awesome. So I just see so many advancements here in agriculture that have come in the last few years, and I'm just happy that I get to participate in at least a little bit of that. All right, before we hit our first break, let's go to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Great question here from Devin. He said, guys, I work for my local county. I'm one of the licensed sprayers that sprays the right-of-way ditches. So i got a few things here. First of all, having trouble getting products to work this year. Uh, a local co-op suggested it might just be so dry the grass is sucking in the moisture. It's leading to more injury on the grass, and they aren't doing a good enough job trying to kill some of the brush and weeds they're after. Uh, but he said well, we're, our problems are mainly the, the weeds or the trees in the ditches. He said we have been spraying 32 ounces of Grazon for weeds and 48 ounces of Remedy for trees hmm. and then we're adding in some crop oil as well yeah do you think the crop oil is leading to the burn do you think it's the dry weather yes. that's burning the grass uh and what do you think about our mix what could we do to beef things up and knock these trees out could we mix both together or should we yep. use something different yeah I, I mean honestly you're using pretty good products now let's keep in mind with the grazon what's in there that's killing the trees is the tordon not really the 24d and the, the remedy, that's triclopyr. That is a brush product. So, I mean, you've, you've got good products you're using. You can always bump the rate. So that's one option. And I'll put it this way. What we've kind of found in our operation over the years is where we used to get by with lower rates, now all of a sudden we need higher rates. Maybe the plants are becoming more tolerant. Maybe we're selecting out for plants that are harder to kill. I don't know. Either way, when we up the rate a little bit, things get better. I'm glad that you're throwing the crop oil in because usually that means better penetration even when we have thick waxy leaves which happens in drought conditions and we had that through a lot of the country this year. I think personally that it was hotter than normal and so things got ahead of us a little bit. Maybe the plant closed down a little bit more than normal. So you know I'm going to assume next year if weather gets if weather's a little better maybe you do the same thing and it probably will work a little better but yeah the crop oil was probably what was burning the grass don't get too worried about it just up the rate of the herbicide a little bit and you'll solve your problem stay tuned we'll be right back because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground we're committed to boots in the mud boots on the steps of your truck your tractor your combine the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop the concrete of your co-op the gravel in your shed so we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. 
You've done it. Your yields are on the rise. But when it comes to marketing, are you falling short? Invest in yourself with Agris Academy. Agris Academy is offering a first-of-its-kind masterclass in commodity merchandising and risk management. Learn the best practices and tactics of the world's leading risk managers and apply them to your farm. Contact your buyers with a new confidence and boost your farm's profitability. Agris Academy's 10-week masterclass begins this November and is hosted on Acres TV. Sign up today with early discount code ACRES at agrisacademy.com. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Now is your chance to refuel your farm equipment for free. Register today at fuel.clos.com for your chance to win $10,000 in free farm diesel fuel. From our high-capacity harvesting equipment to our high-horsepower tractors, Kloss is known for superior performance and exceptional fuel efficiency. So go to fuel.clos.com. Then check out the advanced equipment at your local Kloss dealer. That's fuel.clas.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today talking about some fall tillage considerations. If you're looking at fields thinking, man, I should probably do some tillage out there. What are some of those decisions along the way that may spark that, hey, I need to do this type of tillage or that? We're going to discuss that. Also, we'll be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 44 ag phd let's start off with cj parker with case ih to talk about this a little bit cj thanks for joining us yeah yeah pleased to be on well uh, as harvest kicks off and and gets rolling throughout the country fall tillage is certainly something on farmers minds both to to get the ground ready for planting next spring and to deal with some of the residue that's out there this year yeah absolutely and i and i think um, you know as a, as a, as a producer you know, you know, fall tillage. What, what, what are my goals? I think um, kind of have a have a, in the back of your mind where, you know, did I did I have some residue issues that that hurt my emergence last or this past spring? Um, is there maybe some compaction issues? If it, if you had a wet year, I know there wasn't a whole lot of that, but um, you know, maybe there was some uh, some ponding issues. Uh, maybe there's some compaction issues that uh, that's not allowing moisture to uh, to percolate up within that soil profile to to help out. So. Um, really, just it just depends on on what your goals are and what what needs that you that you see out there. You know, you identified one of the challenges that I've noticed this year: compaction. Wow, getting out in some of these fields this year. I I always carry a shovel with me, CJ, and I couldn't get the shovel in the ground in a lot of fields. And I know it was dry, but there's also a lot of compaction. I think maybe we had a false sense of security that oh no, it's so dry, I'm probably not going to pack anything. I could just do whatever I want, but that definitely was not the case this year. Yeah, yeah, it's always nice to to carry that shovel, um, to dig down in that soil profile, and um, we like to use a case size. We like we like to have it to use that pocket knife, and uh, just take the tip of that pocket knife and go up and find where that compaction layer is. Um, you know, one of the one of the things is um, you know in the headlands or maybe the auger cart has been been across there a half a dozen times. 
Um, I don't necessarily see that compaction go any lower. Um, what we see is, is that compaction layer starts still at that bottom where we typically see it, but then it, it works its way up to the top, and that, uh, that compaction layer itself becomes, becomes a lot tighter. You know, there there are a lot of things that, that we're looking at for compaction management, and there are quite a few different choices. What are your favorite tools? What what do you like to use? If you had a field and you said, man, I got compaction, and it might be at 8 inches or 10 inches down, what would you use to break that up? So in case I hate, we have two um, primary tillage tools that uh, that we offer to uh, to help break up compaction. Um, that first would be in our, our inline ripper, that a towel till 2,500. Um, that's going to leave, um, you know, quite a bit of that residue on top, um, you know, 30 in spacing, 36 to 38, depending on, on where you're farming at and what row spacing you're on. But, uh, you know, that's uh, the no-till shanking point is probably the most popular. Um, it's going to uh, not disturb that surface a whole lot, but just run the tip of that point an inch to an inch and a half below that compaction layer. And then if, uh, you know, that the Cow Tiger 875 for that, that combo primary tillage tool, um, with a disc up front to help cut and mix that residue uniformly in the top three inches, and then um, and then use the shanks on the back again, just like the 2500, um, run that um, to an inch, inch and a half. We don't see any more of return on investment of time and fuel because um, fuel is definitely not getting any cheaper. So just running that inch, inch and a half below there to uh, to relieve that compaction with those two tools. Well, one thing I do appreciate with the folks at Case IH, you do have an agronomy staff. You do look at return on investment. And uh, like you mentioned, hey, it might make you feel good to run things deeper, but here's where we're seeing the best return. Uh, I love advice like that because as we go out to the field, uh, a lot of times we do just go by feel or go by appearance, and I, I love that there's studies behind all these things. Uh, CJ, as harvest rolls on, we got to have you back on again. Thank you so much today. All right, yeah, thank you. Got Tanner Schultz on right now with Environmental Tillage Systems. Talk a little strip till. How you doing, Tanner? I'm good. How have you guys been? Pretty good, pretty good. CJ was talking about some of the full-scale tillage options, and I got thinking about compaction, and uh, I know Brandon and I have had this discussion already. Hey, if we're running our, our strip till machine and we've got a shank on there, if we're running at the right depth, we could break up compaction right underneath where we're going to plant next year, and that may be just exactly what the doctor ordered. Absolutely. Um, and then to touch on some of the points you made about return on investment, um, when you look at a strip-till type program for your fall tillage needs, um, certainly um, prepping that seed bed for the, the following spring is, is a, a very important thing. Um, besides that, getting through that compaction and, prep and prepping that seed bed, um, you know, whether it's a, a culture-style machine or, as you mentioned, a knife, uh, culture style, a knife and culture-style machine like you guys would run, um, there are things and adjustments that you can do to, you know, ultimately get that optimum depth, optimum depth. And then also, you know, with, with the way that our process works, we're also placing fertilizer in that, in that tillage zone. So, yeah. And I think a pretty that's a nice way to approach it. Yeah. It's something to think about when you can do, and I get it. You see a strip tow machine, you're not running as fast as, as some of these full scale tillage operations might go. But at the same time though, you're doing three different jobs, seed bed preparation, compaction management, fertilizer application, really residue management too. And, and here's one Tanner that, that I know Brian and I get a lot. All right, guys, I'm in corn on corn. How do you make it work? What are some of the tricks to dealing with all that residue with strip till? So 
lot of our customers and, and people that are running a strip tall type operation will really look towards their their corn head and, and managing whether or not, you know, they need a full width chopping, you know, corn head or possibly even looking towards a, a, uh, a knife roll type situation to, you know, leave a little more of that residue standing straight up and let the soil health aspect of things kind of break down that residue that's standing there. And ultimately the, the less that you put on the ground is ultimately less that you have to manage with, uh, with roll cleaners and, and things of that nature. Sure. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to think about there. And I, I know Brian and I, when we were talking about this, Brian just said, well, keep in mind, if we're doing any kind of tillage out there, we're kicking up some soil that's got a lot of microbes in it. That's going to help with residue breakdown, which is a good thing too. And Hey, if we're doing that in the fall, we got that much more time before we're going to be planting next year. Uh, now on the fertilizer application, Tanner, Talk to us about that just a little bit. Where do you like to see that at? I know Brian and I'll talk. Sometimes we want to put stuff down super deep, but if we've got a lower fertility field, maybe we want to leave some up a little more shallow too. What What's kind of been the, the preference you've seen with farmers you work with? So the majority of the farmers that I'm working with are in that western Minnesota, North Dakota area. Um, the majority of them are, are running our coulter systems where we'll see, um, you know, fertilizer incorporated through the width and depth of that strip. So you won't see, you know, obviously your your highest concentration is going to be at that average, you know, three to four inches of depth and in the, in the middle of that strip. But what makes our application kind of very user-friendly is the incorporation and stirring and mixing throughout that soil profile that is a very fertilizer rich area so when you you know start to look at some of the deeper tillage options that we offer um the the knife shank option um you know you will see fertilizer down at that seven to eight inches um deep cogwheel is another one that is a, a big compaction fighter and you know that that thing's going to run close to 11 inches deep so we truly believe we're, we're seeing fertilizer that deep but ultimately we're still mixing it throughout that, that seed bed and soil profile zone of that strip. Last question for you. GPS guidance has sure increased the popularity of strip till. What do you recommend for growers as they're getting started? Well, as guys look towards implementing strip till on, on their, on the farming operation, um, you know, certainly the best in the business is the RTK, which is going to provide you not only that sub one inch accuracy, but also the in-season repeatability. So when you, Go out and strip till fall, come back, your lines are going to be the same. Now, there are guys that are doing that with with uh, the SF1s, SF2s, even potentially an SF3, but you lose that in-season repeatability. So that is one thing to consider when, when making the jump or possibly enhancing your strip till experience is the, the better, uh, better guidance correction there. Talking about fall considerations for tillage on today's Ag PhD radio show, and we've got Tanner Schultz on with Environmental Tillage Systems here, talking about some of the things to keep in mind if you're doing some strip till. Tanner, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on as always. You bet. You guys have a safe fall out there. Yeah, you too. That's the big thing. Safety is a big, big thing on the farm. It's number one by far. Uh, we're going to talk about fall tillage along the way here on today's program. want to do that right, too. So we'll be right back after this. The hardworking, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. 
Together, we can uproot the stigma. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit, and they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. When it comes to combines, capacity and costs keep going up. So if you aren't the largest farm in the county, how do you achieve the high harvesting efficiency of the big operations while still keeping costs in check? Start by checking out the Kloss Trion 740. The latest Kloss combine delivers high reliability, low maintenance, gentle threshing, and surprising efficiency. The Kloss Trion 740. Learn more at Kloss.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, talking about fall tillage considerations. And you know what, Brian? One thing that I've noticed, I uh, just, just went out and drove past a couple of our fields. We did a little bit of fall tillage already on, on some ground, and it really improved the ability to soak in water. Our ground was so dry. It, it was tough. We, we couldn't even get water to go in hardly, it seemed like. Well, of course, it never rains here either. Yeah, but, I, yeah, true. I, I mean, if it's hard as a rock, then you loosen it up a little bit. Obviously, water is going to go in. Now, the flip side of that is I like some moisture being in the ground. It's a lot easier to do tillage. But, I mean, what the situation on our farm, we had a bunch of silage cut, so there were trucks driving all across our fields. And so we pounded it. Plus, it was dry. So anyway, yeah, just hopefully uh, hopefully we don't have to deal with this so much in the future. We've been really, really dry for three years. Yeah, that's for sure. It's It's been quite a quite a little run that we've had here, but maybe things will turn around. That would be, it'd be nice to start getting some more rain. Got Bob Bailey on as our next guest with Bailey Consulting to talk a little about uh, 
soil fertility, fall tillage, lots of stuff going on out there, Bob. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Lots of harvest is starting, and guys are happy as they can be because they're getting the crop out of the field. You know, a lot of times... a lot of times, Bob, we see, let's just say that this is a typical uh, father-son type operation. Dad's running the combine and son gets to do tillage or maybe grandpa gets to do tillage. It seems like nobody wants to do that tillage part. The The key operator wants to be in the combine. Are we making a mistake? Should the, should the best operator on the farm be the one doing the tillage? Well, yeah, I, I think that's probably the right way to look at it. I mean, you can teach son or grandpa how to run the combine and and do all that, but getting the tillage done and getting it done so you end up with the right situation after you're done, uh, one of the things that we want to accomplish is getting some residue uh, and hopefully the combine cut up the corn stalks enough to make them uh, easy to get uh, tilled into the soil so they can decay. And uh, we also need to do some tillage deep enough to get rid of most of the compaction that's out there. Now, like the situation you just described in uh, chopping corn silage, sometimes you just can't get rid of all of it all at once. It takes a couple of years to do that. But uh, you're, you're right that Water won't go in if the soil is all hard and compacted, so we have to loosen it up to, to get the water to go in. And, of course, the, the beauty about getting water to go into your soil is that it automatically pulls air in behind it. And you've got to have air in the soil for several reasons, uh, one being that the soil is full of bacteria that require oxygen, so if you don't have good air movement into the soil, the bugs aren't going to do much work for you. And then we've got to have air in that soil. And some tillage is really helpful in getting air to move in. And the uh, plant root needs air in order to absorb or take up uh, plant food nutrients. Yeah, there are a lot of jobs that fall tillage is accomplishing. You mentioned breaking down residue, eliminating compaction. A lot of guys are trying to incorporate fertilizer, and they'll spread fertilizer and and move that down in. One thing that I've noticed this year, too, Bob, has been uneven tillage floors. I've gone out on a number of farms and noticed they're running these machines so fast and sometimes if the ground is hard, they, they just aren't getting a, an even tillage floor where I can scratch two inches of loose soil in some parts and four inches in others. And there's hills and valleys underneath the soil that are creating uh, a tough environment for next year's crop. Is that a common thing? Do you notice that? And is that something that growers really yes. need to be careful yes. of? That, that's a common thing. And, you know, a lot of guys have uh, what they call disc rippers that they're using and most of the time they're only running the the shanks on that about nine inches deep which really doesn't get below the the hardest compaction in the soil and you're just not going to get the water movement and the air movement that you need 
So you need to get that point down probably 11 inches, maybe 12. And in some soils, it may have to be deeper than that. But if it's only going eight or nine inches deep, you're not really accomplishing what you want. And that's why it takes a good operator to know what he's doing out there. That's kind of what I was getting at with my first comment, that it isn't always the best operator. And I'm not discur- or not trying to discount anybody that's out there doing tillage and say, oh, man, you're not doing a good job at all because some guys do a great <laughs> job with this. But Oh, yeah, I, you're right. I, I just find it gets so comfortable in the cab, but the temperature is perfect. You might have something you're listening <laughs> yeah. to. Uh, you got something to drink in there. Everything's good. You don't want to get out. But I, I would just encourage everybody, get out behind that, that equipment. See what you're doing. And then and, don't just look in one spot. Right. Look all the way across. All the way across, yeah. And, you know, sometimes it takes a spade to that you have to carry with you to put it in the ground and see how hard it is and to see what you're getting accomplished. And uh, one other reason to do some deeper tillage is that next spring when we plant corn or even soybeans, uh, the corn root, if the soil is not compacted, has the ability to grow at the rate up to four inches a day. Now, if you got some compaction and hard soils and and different tillage pans and different depths of loose soil, the root might only grow an inch or so a day. And that's not going to get you the kind of root system that you have to have to get high corn yields. Absolutely. And to be able to tolerate some of these drought conditions that we've seen across the country. Exactly. Too. Yeah, I left out the drought part. That takes well, that's that's okay, Bob. Let's let's system. let's leave the drought out. Hopefully, we don't have okay. to think about that again. We'll forget that. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Bob Bailey here with Bailey Consulting. Obviously, a wealth of information here and knowledge. Bob, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Good luck this fall. Uh, thank you, and I'm glad to be here. Got Andrew up in North Dakota with a question for us. How you doing, Andrew? Good. How are you guys? Good, good. What can we do for you? Uh, I have a question about spraying copper sulfate. I know you can um, melt it down and spray it through a sprayer. Yes. I'm wondering if I can do that the same time as spraying a pre-emerge herbicide. We've had a lot of issues with mixing with copper sulfate. We don't even like to leave it in our sprayer overnight. So I would be concerned by doing that. Uh, now, there are liquid copper products that you could use. They aren't going to be as inexpensive, but there are those that I would be comfortable with. So if you're going to try this, I would try it on a small scale. I'm just, I, I'm nervous about it. So that, that, okay. that, that's my opinion. If I spray, I've never sprayed copper sulfate, but I'm looking at like building soil levels. Yes. So like obviously enough to kill the plant. So I'm wondering what would be like a max rate you would feel comfortable spraying. Well, we've done a fair amount. Now, wait a second here. You Just said maximum. I would feel who comfortable. Who you're spraying. asking the question of <laughs> like, here, Andrew? Like Neil, Neil, Neil Kinsey recommends 20 pounds of copper sulfate um, on my soil test. And yeah. can I put 20 pounds per acre through a sprayer with enough water? Mm, 
You probably can. I'd say you're going to have to go at least 20 gallons of water, though. So if that's, yeah. but here's the other thing, Andrew, is a lot of times like copper sulfate in our farm, we need varying rates through the field. Now, maybe you need one flat rate through the whole field and everything's fine. But I would say we've tried to get this done in the fall. So then we felt like, okay, even if we screw something up, uh, we got six months till we plant a crop. And worst case scenario, if we really were worried about it, we could do some tillage, stir it around the soil, whatever. So uh, this fall, you may have an opportunity too, just because hopefully it'll be an early fall. I know it is for us on our farm. We're way ahead of normal with everything. Uh, so, so yep. So that's my hope for you is you could just go spray it out this fall and be done. Spray it by itself. Don't let it sit in the sprayer overnight. And that's that's kind of the direction I would go. Sounds good. All right. Good luck, Andrew. Thank you. Talking fall tillage considerations and taking your questions as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. Minimize resistance and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. <laughs> Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. 
Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about fall tillage considerations, and we're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Nathan with us right now down in central Missouri. Wants to talk a little about phosphorus. How you doing, Nathan? Good. How are you? Good. Good. What can we do for you? Yes, uh, I was enjoy listening to you all. I try to listen every day. Thank um, you. We farm in, in our river bottom down here, and our soils are very high in our P1 and P2, and also our our potash, too. But with our phosphorus, it's tied up. It's not available, and we just keep putting it out there, and it just keeps getting tied up. And last week, I heard you all were talking, and, and a farmer brought up the NutriTrack product, I was wondering if you all had any experiences with it or if you had any other advice on how to kind of make our phosphorus more readily available for the plant. Hey, Nathan, uh, before we get to the, the NutriCharge thing, I'll have Darren talk about that because I don't have much experience. Darren knows more about that than I do. But I, I just want to ask you some specifics here. When you say P1 and P2 are high, how high are we talking? I don't have the soil test in front, but it's it's excess it's it's uh like it's very high okay so i i guess i'm just trying to get some, and i apologize I, i'm in the combine i don't yeah, have the fine. soil test with me that's i fine. meant to grab it this morning yeah no problem I no problem i i, I just because some people will call 50 or 100 parts per million high and i don't call that high at all i call that barely enough and some people will say, um, you know, oh, I've got 30 and that's high. For me, high is several hundred parts per million. So I, I just wanted to make sure we're talking about you, the same thing. I know what you mean, though, Nathan. I mean, you're in an area that compared to other areas around, it's higher. And you would think, oh, OK, I should be great here. And it doesn't always work out that way. And well, yeah, we've we've been working with the NutriCharge product now for a couple of years. And it, it does appear that it works. It, it's it's not a phosphorus source, so it's not like you're putting out phosphorus. It doesn't contain any that I'm and, aware of. And that's kind of what I was getting at here is do we truly have an excess? Because if you do and it, you're, you're saying it's tied up, it's not getting into my plant, okay, then, then we're all about trying to figure out some way to get that phosphorus out. But if it's just a, you know, we, we maybe have enough there and our root growth for whatever reason is limited, whether that's drainage, compaction, something else, Else, maybe it's we need to explore how do we get the roots to to look through more of the soil and find some of that so I'm so you see kind of where I'm going with this I'm not saying there's anything necessarily right or wrong with NutriCharge that may be an answer for you but it also could be something else we're just trying to help you figure out what's truly wrong in your soil yes and I and I understand and, and in our bottom we are so variable. We go from blow sand to the tightest, stickiest gumbo in the same path. <laughs> uh, sounds and familiar. Yeah, we deal with some of that so, too. Okay. 
so on your fall tillage, we we've upgraded to a disc ripper last year. Yep. Uh, we were uh, really very dry this year. Uh, we do have irrigation pivots on them. Oh. Most of the time, though, where we have to water the sand enough, we overwater the gumbo. Right. right. And it's tiled, and it's so tight that they put it on 15 and 20 foot centers. Hey, let me let me ask you this, and not to interrupt, but when you say you got variable ground and you have irrigation, have you talked to irrigation companies about the variable rate watering that they're now able to do? We have. We need to to look into it more, but the way, we don't run full circles on this particular field. It's like okay. a wind quarter turn windshield wiper. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And the way it lays out the the first, it's like eleven spans. The first five or six first four running pretty much all sand and then it starts the ribbons run the wrong way for the pivot our gotcha. pivot can variable rate but it only does it on speed uh they said it just would not be cost prohibited to put an actual shut off on every nozzle sure yeah that well <laughs> hopefully it does get to be uh more cost effective for you because i i mean when you're talking about that variation I could see that, that that could be really good for you. We used to have a pivot, this is 20 years ago, and it was the same kind of situation we were dealing with. Some of the ground was super heavy, and some of the ground was super sandy, and you could never do it right for both. It was impossible. So that's why I've been excited kind of following through with some, with some of these, uh, these companies that are coming so you can vary that rate of irrigation as you go through the field. But anyway, let's come back to your soil just a little bit. Where When you say, okay, my P1 and P2 are high, and I'm having tie-up, are you having the tie-up in the heavy ground then and not the sand? Or, or I mean, just tell us a little more about that. Yeah, it's mostly our heavy ground. Yep. And uh, this year I worked with my seed salesman, and uh, he lives and breathes tissue sampling. And so we tissue sampled uh, more than we ever have on our farm, and it's something mm -hmm. we're going to start implementing doing more. Mm -hmm. And it was always, you know, it was always a deficiency there and we were always trying to add some in later sure the other thing I, I was just thinking about like on our own farm what we found is we needed to have zinc right and we needed to have copper right because there was a, a strong relationship between phosphorus and zinc and phosphorus and copper and when we got the ratios about right then we were getting better efficiency out of our phosphorus so it's just another thing uh, for you to be thinking about. And if you want, you can send us your soil tests anytime and we can take a look at them and that might help us just a little bit more. But anyway, Darren, yeah, talk yeah, about that nutrient Well, I want to talk about that tissue sampling too because tissue sampling is great, but you got to keep in mind phosphorus, once it's in the plant, is a mobile nutrient. So when you get new growth happening, it's going to pull phosphorus potentially out of the older growth and move it to the new. And the only reason I bring that up is that we've done some plant tissue work on our farm where we've tested every leaf going up and down the plant just to see, hey, if you pull the wrong leaf, if you're at V8 corn and you pull one leaf off uh, and you don't get the right leaf, well, that's going to change your numbers up a little bit, too. So that's just something to, to be cautious about. So, yeah, if there's different people pulling your tissue samples every time, you might want to make sure they're getting the right leaf as they're doing it. Nathan, you probably weren't thinking we were going to get into Sorry all this. That. We're throwing it. all this at you as you're out there trying to combine. <laughs> but you no, had a simple I, question I for us about NutriCharge. <laughs> no, that's a, one other question because on fall tillage. Yep. On this ground that's variable, 
we we just do a corn and bean rotation down here. We don't fight. We would love to do corn on corn, but with it so variable, we just feel like we need to rotate. Sure. So would would you would you all recommend still running the the big disc ripper in to go into beans, or would vertical tillage be enough? Uh, I feel like the gumbo needs to be tore up every year. You're going to know your ground better than we are. I'll tell you this, though. We have experienced in super heavy ground, river bottom type ground. I mean, like what you're describing to us sounds like some of the stuff we've had. And it's either going to take a ridiculous amount of broadcast fertilizer to get your levels up high enough so you don't have all this tie up and issue, or we've done a lot of strip till. So in the light ground, though, that's a different deal. I'm not too worried about disc ripping. I'm not too worried about, you know, oh, I have to band rather than broadcast. So that becomes the challenge there is you got two different soil types. Well, but, one, of, one of our things, too, is we had a lot of magnesium in some of that ground. So just adding quite right. a bit more calcium has really helped improve that. And the other thing that I use is just a shovel, and I go out there and see if the ground is just hard and I can't get down through it with a shovel, then I don't expect my roots are going to either. In that case, I really do like to do the tillage. Hey, Darren. Talk just a little more about NutriCharge before okay, we so, run out of so time. So NutriCharge is a product, like I say, we've we've used it for a couple of years here. We aren't putting it with every phosphorus application we're doing. So it's not like, oh, we're man. still testing we, we see this as the perfect answer to all our problems. We aren't there yet. Uh, but what we have seen with our early testing is it does look pretty good. It does protect phosphorus that you're putting on from tie-up, uh, so it, it attracts the positively charged nutrients and ions out in the soil and stops them from grabbing onto the phosphorus, like calcium, for example. If you get three calcium molecules attached to a phosphate, it's going to tie it up and make it unavailable. So NutriCharge helps with that, and it also is supposed to help free some up that's already out in your soil, which is what I think you're looking for, too. So is it worth trying? Absolutely. I think it's worth trying. Do some check strips and see if it works for you. Okay, sounds good. And would you all use it and work it in, or would you put it on top? You know, I would I would probably just... Put it on. I put it on when you put the phosphorus in. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel soybean bin, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 900 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. 
Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. So how's harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher yielding corn for a difference you'll appreciate at harvest. Visit your FMC retailer for an at-plant advantage. Always read and follow all label directions. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, we're talking about fall tillage considerations, and Nathan had some questions on phosphorus. And one of the things that uh, we we kind of ran out of time there right at the end, but with phosphorus, we definitely like that down in the soil. And as we're talking about fall tillage, it goes right hand in hand. If you're putting phosphorus out there on top of the ground, and you're in no-till, that is the one of the downsides of no-till is that oh man, phosphorus doesn't move much in soil. Laying it on the top, it's going to stay on the top. If you want to get it down in the soil, you got to inject it somehow. And if, like for Nathan, he's talking about doing some tillage down in some of those bottoms, that's fine. I'd work in the phosphorus and the NutriCharge, and that would be be where the phosphorus is going to be at. Okay, one of the things I mentioned at the start of the show, and I just wanted to explain this a little bit more. I said if somebody had crazy high organic matter, and I don't know, I'm anxious to see Nathan's soil test because – Every once in a while, you'll end up with these peat or muck soils, and that's sometimes river bottom ground. And it might be a 15 organic matter, 10 organic, 10% organic matter. We really only want 7% probably on the high end is what I would like. I'm not saying you can do whatever you want in your farm, but as an agronomist, my advice is I only want to get up to maybe 7% organic matter. You start getting higher than that, and you're going to have what I would term excessive tie-up herbicides going to get tied up nutrients are going to get tied up it just and and drainage um, it's hard to move anything out it, it's harder with drain tile and that kind of thing to make stuff work because your organic matter levels are so high and so you might say well how do i get rid of the organic matter and lower it down to seven percent you do it by, by doing lots of tillage so here again this is probably a one in a thousand deal okay so not many people are dealing with this but i just thought i'd bring it up and explain that just a little bit more you can deplete your soil's organic matter with lots of tillage so and moldboard plowing can certainly help with that now 
for most of us, we're the opposite. We're trying to build soil organic matter, and that's why we want to at least reduce tillage a little bit. Now, I'm not saying go no-till. You don't have to go no-till. You can still build soil organic matter and do some tillage, but you just don't want to go overboard. Anyway, part of the reason I'm bringing this up, too, is every year I have somebody talk to me, and they say, you know, I hate to even tell anybody, but I pulled the old moorboard plow out of the trees. That's the best yield I've had in a long time. I go, well, chances are what's happening is you're getting excess nutrient release in one year. And that, to me, kind of says you're not putting enough fertilizer on most years. Now, we farm too. And I I mean, for many years, I I struggled with this also. Like, I didn't want to spend the money on the fertilizer. Our dad really was that way. Well, you got to put fertility out and don't just think about your average. I mean, it's great to think, you know, you already know what your average is. Okay, well, my average corn uh, yield in this field is 240. Great. But what I want to know is what were, was what was the top 10%? If the top 10% was 290, well, if you're fertilizing for 240 and you go, well, oh, just like yesterday uh, when we had George on from Minnesota and after the show, I talked to him just a little bit more and he goes, yeah, I can see what you're talking about. If we if we we think we're on a build program at 10%, I go, yep, <laughs> at 200 and, and he had tremendous yields. He had 250, 260, 270 on corn. It was really good. But anyway, let's say we're at 240. Well, what's 10% more? Well, that's enough for 264. Well, if you're getting 290 in your best spots, you are robbing those spots on fertility and you think you're not. So that's part of this whole thing too, is we just want you thinking about all your ground, each acre individually. What can I do? What should I be doing? And yeah, Nathan had a, a great story about his ground where he's like, Part of it's blow sand, and then I got super heavy ground too. We really don't want you to treat the blow sand the same as you would treat the super heavy ground. It's just a real challenge when you have both in the same field. We deal with some of that exact same well, thing you too. talked about it with irrigation there that how yep. do you do it? Because you can't uh, irrigate the one properly without over-irrigating the other. Yeah, so. but there are systems out there now, so you can vary things, and hopefully the, the cost will keep coming down on stuff because we want more people to irrigate appropriately for their soil type. And when you have varying soils like he does and like we do, it's just it's a real challenge. And even going through fields, I, I'm just so happy now that, well, like with Case H, they have where you can adjust the tillage as it goes through the field. We have all kinds of equipment where you can adjust fertilizer and change fertilizer rates as you go through the field. And even earlier, uh, when we had the call right off the bat today about copper sulfate and, okay, what should I do? How much can I put on? That kind of thing. Varying the rate can make an awful lot of sense for you. So he had mentioned 20 pounds of copper sulfate. Well, does every acre need that? Probably not. So the more you can dial in these things, not only do you save some money, where you would have put excess on before, but hopefully you're going to achieve greater profits, greater yields on all the acres. So anyway, it's kind of fun to talk about these things and go through this stuff. But yeah, we're, we're looking at fall tillage on our own farm. And this year we did a little bit more deep tillage than we've done in a long time, just because we have had some compaction issues, primarily because we've had people running across our fields with manure, with silage cutters and trucks. And I mean, it, it hasn't just been us going out on our fields. 
Now we've been dry, not, not so we've been we lucky. Do, not that we do it perfect either. Right. And, no, I'm <laughs> but, not saying that. But, but I'm, there's I'm, big, heavy equipment running out there, yes. and their job is to get it done as fast as they can, not right. necessarily uh, worry about exactly where they're at. Yeah, the but honestly, I, I mean, we're doing a lot of the same thing. I, I'm not. I, I probably wouldn't do it any different than that. But all I'm saying is, when you think about it, with a silage operation versus when we're when we have grain corn, okay, with the grain corn, we were leaving all the residue out there. And so when we were driving, mainly a grain cart, uh, not the trucks. The trucks really weren't going in the field. The trucks don't have, in my opinion, uh, the the tires that we necessarily want, or at least these trucks, um, were driving across our field all the time. That's why I liked having the grain cart. But either way, it doesn't my, my point here is, let's say I had those same exact trucks driving over a field and now they had all that residue. And think about it, when we were averaging 250 bushel corn, you've got tremendous residue out there. That was cushioning the blow. Well, when it's silage, you don't have any of that. All that residue has gone. So now it's way easier to compact that. So I don't care if it was somebody else or us or anybody, you're going to have compaction. And so we have to adjust a little bit. And it's the same thing we talk about when somebody says, well, I'm switching from conventional till to no-till, and I'm going to do everything exactly the same other than I'm just not going to till. Well, you can't do that. You're going to have different weeds. You got, you know, you need to place fertilizer differently. Things change when you want to make that one change on your farm. Anyway, let's get back to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, get this one from Spencer up in North Dakota. He said, I've got a question for you guys. We're seeing just some small patches of corn and they're tipping over, roots and all. What would you look into? We started noticing this a couple of weeks ago. What would you look into as potential causes that would tip corn plants over like that, just in small areas? Planting depth is the first thing I think about. Uh, so I got planting depth, and you can check that right now. You can still see where that seed was at below the ground. Uh, yeah, and, and, that, and the other thing is look, look at the areas where it looks really good. And then look at the areas where it's tipping over yes. and see if it's but, slight, slightly different. Because sometimes I'll have growers say, well, I did look at that, but it was only a half an inch different. That might make a lot absolutely. of difference. Let's say for and, corn, for example, and that's what we're talking about here, you want to be at least an inch and a half deep. Maybe you were an inch and a quarter on some and an inch and a half on the others. And well, even the, an inch and a half in my book is not enough. I like two. I, I, I quite frankly, Darren, I want too. to stop saying inch and a half to two and a half. I like two inches two and a quarter, much better in my opinion. But the other big thing, compaction. That's where we see a lot of the stuff tipping over. The roots just weren't able to get down in the ground because of compaction or poor well, then drainage. They, then they don't get to anchor as well. Yes. That's a big deal. Now, the other things that you might look for, corn rootworm was bad, even in southern North yep. Dakota this year. So I would look at corn rootworm because maybe you just had a little area where, hey, a corn rootworm beetle flew in there last year, laid its eggs, and now you got a hundred little rootworms yep. right in one little area how, knocking plants over. How about mudding the crop in, yeah, just in those well, spots, and now all the roots are in that that uh, V. We did we yep. did see some rootless corn this year, yeah. and it was just in patches and fields. In a lot yep. of cases, that could be it. The other one is grubs. And what I've seen white grubs, a lot of times they're just small patches out in fields and they will cut roots off and later in the season they fall over. So yeah, there's there's a lot of things here that could be yeah. the difference. The Investigation needs to be done. Get your shovel out, do some digging out there and look and don't just say, well, no, everything's fine and everything looks the same. Eh, do a little more digging than that. Split open some stalks and, and see what you find. I, I bet you're going to find the answer if you just do some more digging. Thanks for the question. And thanks to, thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday 
for more Ag PhD Radio.